This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. This could be just over 15 years. You've been kind of pushing this on your son or daughter, and they haven't had the courage to tell you, you know what, I don't think I want to do that. Have these conversations now when it's so much easier to right the ship than a decade later when they've spent so much time and energy and money between you and them to get a degree they don't want. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we are going to do two things. First, we'll be answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about if college is worth it for your teenager. And second, we are back with our internet money segment. This month, we are featuring V. Weir, who made over $10,000 last year dog-sitting. Yeah, playing with dogs. (laughs) We're going to find out how she got her start with dog sitting. And if this side hustle is a smart way to go for you, if you're at home or your teen or in your early retirement time, hey, another 10 grand playing with dogs could be pretty fun. Anyway, let's jump into today's show. I received a question from Michael via email and here it is. My daughter is 16. My wife and I want to help her pay for college, but we're way behind on our retirement savings and we still owe student loans. We want her to get ahead in life and not go into college debt like we did. We love the idea of financial independence. We're finding that concept later in life. We'd love that for our daughter too. Should we encourage college or not? Michael, thank you very much for connecting. That is a big question, a big decision to go to college or not to go to college. That's a big one for parents to decide, especially lately. The projected cost of a four-year in-state public university for Michael's daughter, everybody. I did a little Vanguard calculator calculation before the call, and uh, I found that it could potentially be around $107,000. Again, that's four years in-state, and it's a public university. So with little to no savings, college could be a tough thing to handle for Michael's family. So I had to bring in some experts to help me with this one. So to help me answer Michael's question today, I've invited someone who has a lot of experience in advising teens and their parents with the college decision and how to pursue financial independence in general. Dan Sheeks is my guest today. Dan is the owner and founder of Sheeks Freaks. This is an online community to help young people live their best lives by making smart money decisions. He's been a high school business teacher in Denver for the last eight 18 years, and he's passionate about teaching teens, personal finance, passive income, real estate investing, and early financial freedom strategies so they can live their best lives. Dan is also the author of the new book, First to a Million, A Teenager's Guide to Achieving Early Financial Independence, which is out now. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks, Andy. Glad to be here. Absolutely, man. Well, let's help Michael with his question here. This is a tough situation. How can Michael and his daughter decide if college is right for her? It is a big question, Andy. Like you said, the college decision is very emotional for a lot of people, which can be good and bad. 
The key to Michael's question, I think, was that he did mention that he and his wife have found early financial independence and they wish that for their daughter. And that that changes things a little bit, honestly. So the very, very short answer that I would say to Michael is, I can't tell you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if your daughter should go to college or not, because you have to you have to really know the teenager, right? And and what they're passionate about, what they're interested in. There, there's pros and cons to going to college, especially if they want their daughter to be on an early financial independence pathway. There's so many different area, ways we could go with this, Andy, but it, it's a very individualized question and that deserves a very specific answer. And I agree with you, Dan. Let's talk about the know your teen portion of it. You've worked with a lot of teens. Everybody's different, right? So how does a parent say, well, you know, my teen is good for college or not? Is there a way to have kind of that conversation with them to understand where they are, especially as they're getting maybe in their older teen years and seeing what their interests are? How do you have that conversation with your teen or how do you plan it out with them? Yeah, so I would say step one would be if you're a good parent, which I think most of your listeners are, that's why they listen to this podcast, you're already kind of in the loop with what your teenager has aspirations of doing after high school, which by the way, a perfectly acceptable answer would be for the teenager to say, I have no idea. That is, that is completely okay. When I graduated from college or high school, I, I did not have any idea what I wanted to do. And most teens don't, by the way. I've worked with thousands of teens who are mostly on their way to college as they leave high school. And so many of them, they say to me, even, even now, right? So we're talking in March of 2022, my seniors are less than two months from graduating from high school. I, I teach a lot of seniors. They don't know. They know they're going to college because their parents and them have made that decision, but they don't know what they want to study. So that is acceptable to say, I have no idea. But there are some teenagers who know, like they, they've wanted to be, say, a teacher their entire lives or a doctor or an engineer or a veterinarian or whatever the, the thing might be. And if if that's what they're really passionate about and they've had that dream for a while, then I think it's a good bet, a safe bet to say, we're going to send you to college to pursue that if it's an occupation that needs a college degree. If it's not, then obviously don't send them to college and spend that $107,000 or more, usually it's more, to pursue a, an occupation where they don't need a degree. I would say there's two things I can say to Michael that would be absolutely for sure. There's two things that you should not do with your daughter. If your daughter does not know, she has no idea what she wants to do in college, then don't send her to college. Don't just have her go for the sake of going to college. It is okay to wait and she can go to college at any time. College will always be there. The second mistake would be to send her to college in a pathway that will let her graduate or require her to graduate with that college diploma, that college degree, and also having massive amounts of student loan debt. It sounds like Michael has learned his lesson. He and his wife are still battling the college debt battle, which I'm sure has handicapped them for decades. It did for me because I had massive amounts of student loan debt. So that's, that's the second answer that I can say definitively. Don't send your daughter to college in a pathway that graduates her with a degree and also massive amounts of student loan debt. Let's say that they've had these conversations and Michael's daughter is like, yeah, I want to be a teacher. I'm really passionate about teaching and dad, that's what I want to do. Now that we know a little bit about Michael's financial situation, how can they go through this college process and not have her just be financially strapped afterward? There's a few things, right? The first thing that pops to mind is Michael and his wife and many, many other parents out there, if you're listening, need to, first of all, get over this idea or concept, even if it's in the subconscious that says, 
the college or university that my son or daughter goes to is directly reflective of my success as a parent. In other words, if my son or daughter goes to Ivy League school or very high tier school, that means I'm a better parent than if my student, my child goes to community college for two years. Big fat false, right? That is not an accurate depiction at all. And so I think a lot of times parents and the parents that I see in my school very often, they, they get caught up in thinking that their son or daughter has to go to the most expensive, which is usually also the top tier school that they get accepted to because that's a reflection on them and their family and, and how smart their child is or how successful they are going to be when that really has nothing. Studies show, no, it doesn't. So there are many other options that will lower the, the cost that parents should consider living at home the first year or two. You know, if, if there's a public university in town, I live in Denver, you know, there's, there's a few, then have them live at home, have them eat at home, save money on room and board. Community college, like I mentioned, is a great option for a couple of years before they transfer into a, a four-year school. Going to online university, honestly, after the pandemic, even before, but definitely now after, online education or you know, remote learning is such a huge thing now that you can get an entire four-year degree remotely online. And so they can live at home. They can live in a house hack, which is a great real estate investing strategy for young people. And they can be working almost even full-time while doing their studies online because they don't have to be full-time. They, but even if they can, the, a hustler can do both. So there's so many different options. You know, if they're taking high school classes that give them college credit while in high school for free. And those are becoming more and more popular. I teach several classes where my students get concurrent enrollment credits. So they, they get college credit. They can start college at even, you know, halfway through their freshman or even as a sophomore by earning credits in high school. So there's, there's a lot of different options. I love how you don't look at just at the face value where it's like, okay, it's a hundred thousand dollars. And that's like the final answer. It's like, well, no, are there different universities you can go to that maybe you're cheaper? Is there a way you could stay at home? So we don't have to pay the room and board, like different ways to slice this up. It's not all face value. Okay. Let's say Michael has had this conversation with his daughter. She's getting a little older now, maybe getting closer to 18. And she's like, I have no clue what I want to do. I'm not sure I should go to college. What are ways that Michael and his spouse who have got a little of this fi juice going on where they're excited about it, how can they, I guess, help her have some skills to eventually become financially independent and I guess survive in this world without a college degree? Talk to us about that. Yeah, that's such a great question. First of all, I want to backtrack a little bit. So if, if the student doesn't know what they want to do in college, I'm a huge fan of the gap year, which is becoming more and more popular. So if Michael's daughter doesn't know in this hypothetical, let's have the daughter take a gap year and explore some different possibilities or, or travel or do service work or, or just work full time. And maybe she can test out a career that doesn't require a degree for a year. And then if she decides to go to college after that, perfect. You know, she hasn't really lost anything. But to go back to your question, to get her on a track to early financial independence, that's why I wrote my book, honestly, Andy, is for teenagers to get on that pathway. So I would recommend reading First to a Million. I would recommend having money conversations with your kids. I would recommend having at least a part-time job or some kind of side hustle while they're in high school, helping them build their credit with an authorized credit card. Google that, great strategy. Have them start paying some of the household bills. Have them manage their own personal finance, their income and expenses as a teenager. Have them take personal finance the class in high school. It's not required. 
in most schools, but for a lot of schools, it's there. It's just as an elective. That's one of the classes I teach. So many different things you can do with your teenager to set them on that path. Have them track their income and expenses with a free app. Have them find a mentor. Have them go to meetups with like-minded people, especially if they're interested in, say, real estate investing or engineering or entrepreneurship. There's so many meetups where they can go, even as a young person, and talk to people who might be a mentor or at least give them some advice. Earlier, you mentioned that you got into a little student debt and then that kind of carved your story a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. And are you still paying on the student debt? I know you're, you're probably not 16 anymore. So how long did it take you to pay off that debt? <laughs> yeah, I still have student loan debt. I am 47. I think I have $10,000 left. At, at, at its peak, I think I was around seventy dollars or $80,000 in student loan debt. Now, my wife and I could easily pay off that ten grand today. But we choose not to because luckily for me, I, I consolidated everything years ago and got a really low interest rate. And my monthly payment right now is like 110 bucks. So I, I, it's just like an afterthought. I probably should pay it off just to have it off my ledger, but it's still there. I went to a very expensive private four-year school. My parents were in a situation where they could not contribute to my college education. I did have some scholarships, so that paid for a chunk of it. But there was a big chunk that were paid for by student loans. And that was just what I was told. Like, if you want to go to that school, which I did, then, then just take student loans. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone does it. It's fine. And so I just kind of followed that path and, and took on massive amounts of student loan debt. When I went back, my original degree was in business. And I went back to get my teaching license when I decided to be a teacher. A few years later, I took out more debt for my teaching license, which was a two-year endeavor. And then I took out even more debt for my master's degree once I started teaching. And so I had three rounds of student loan debt that eventually all got consolidated, but it was a lot. It was a lot. And I, no one told me, you know, this is how it's going to affect your future. This is how much you're going to be paying every month once you finish and you start paying off these loans. I really think had I had known what I know now, I would have went to a different college. I would have financed school a little differently. I would have went to a public school. My second choice, which I also got accepted to, was a, a local four-year public university that would have been a third of the cost. And I would have been very happy there. Now, I don't, obviously, I don't regret how my life turned out, but I would have done things differently had I known. It's good to have that perspective now and to be able to talk to parents who have teens right now to kind of help guide them based on your experience. Obviously, you're doing pretty well for yourself now. You're a published author and you are a multi-real uh, estate investor and doing really well based on that experience, I would think, that's helped you a lot. Let's talk to the person who's listening right now that's just saying, I don't care what my kid thinks, they're going to college. I went to college, it was good for me, it just builds character to pay off your loans. What would you say to that parent? There's a lot of those parents out there, and I, I wouldn't argue with them. I, I do think there's a lot of value in going to college just with the experience, right? Meeting people, networking, and, and hopefully getting an education. That's the number one goal of going to college. But if you're a parent and you're kind of forcing them to go, especially for a specific school or a specific major, you know, my advice would be let's, let's sit down and, and think this through. You cannot make your teenager, and most parents know this, you cannot make your teenager do anything they don't want to do. If your dream has been for your son or daughter to follow in your footsteps or to go into this pathway or become a doctor and they don't want to, they might go to college, they might begin that journey, but they're, they're not going to be happy. I mean, this could be just over 15 years. You've been kind of pushing this on your son or daughter, and they haven't had the courage to tell you, you know what, I don't think I want to do that. 
have these conversations now when it's so much easier to write the ship than a decade later when they've spent so much time and energy and money between you and them to get a degree they don't want. And then for the parent who says, I'm going to send them to college and it's going to be financed by student loans, do your son or daughter a favor and do not handicap them with that burden for decades of their life. Find other ways. You know, we didn't mention scholarships. I think a high school or junior, senior in high school, their full-time job, their main job outside of being a full-time student should be to be applying for massive amounts of scholarships. That should be something they're doing two or three hours a day, especially as their senior year starts to wrap up. It is a huge investment and you get a great return on your investment. Even if they're not a great student or they're not a great essay writer, there are things you can do to help improve the amount of scholarship money they'll get. I could not agree more. Have these conversations early, everybody. And scholarships, yes, are definitely, I guess, underspoken about resource that uh, is really out there for people. Dan, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a great conversation. You've got a great book out there, First to a Million. Where can people find this book? First to a Million is available anywhere, but I recommend buying it from the publisher's website, which is biggerpockets.com. If you just go to their bookstore, you'll find First to a Million. There's also a workbook. So if your teenager is in high school or younger, get the book and the workbook, which if you buy them both, you get a nice little discount on biggerpockets.com. The workbook is honestly the more valuable piece. It it guides them through everything they should do, when, where, how, and why on their journey to early financial independence. That's what I would do. Excellent. And that's whether you go to college or not. Financial independence is a great conversation to have with your teen early and often. Dan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. Glad to be here. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks 
per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking the time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. More and more people want the flexibility to work from home. If you're interested in part-time money, side hustles, or full-time work, the internet has the money we're looking for. On our internet money segment today, we're going to interview V Weir. V is a multi-income stream producing entrepreneur who makes her living at home online. One of her side hustles that we'll be focusing on today is dog sitting. Today, we're going to learn how V makes over $10,000 per year dog sitting and how you can get started today if you're interested in taking care of animals for money. Welcome to the show, V. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's a joy to have you. You and I have been working together for a little while, so it's nice to talk about this fun topic as well outside of the normal stuff we talk about. So (laughs) yeah, yeah. let's talk about what got you interested in dog sitting as a side hustle in the first place. Yeah. So when I started my company, Weird Digital Marketing, which is where you know me from, I wasn't making enough money to cover everything because I was a you know first-time entrepreneur with a fledgling business. So I decided to supplement my income by dog-sitting via Rover, which is something that I was very comfortable with because I had grown up with animals and I had also worked on a farm. So I can take care of pretty much anything. Um, dogs, cats, guinea pigs, horses, pigs, anything. I'm an animal lover and I have been my entire life. So it was very familiar to me. So I decided to give it a shot. And I really started bringing in the big bucks around 2019, which is when I started my business. Nice. So you've been at this for a little while. And then talk to us about the sort of the ramp up time to actually start making money doing something like this. I would absolutely say it depends on where you are and kind of the population of where you are. So for those of you who don't know, I live in Boulder, Colorado, which is a densely populated area. And it's very close to Denver as well. And the city is very um, granola, hippie, hiking, dog friendly. You would be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't have a dog. And that's just the reality of where I live. So I started dog sitting in Ohio in 2019. And I would make a couple hundred dollars um, a month doing it. But really, it started blowing up when I moved to Colorado. And so we've been here since August 2019. And I dog sat for probably half a year. And then I started building up my client base. And now it's every weekend I have a job and I make around a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month, depending on the season of that. And it's all basically repeat clients now. Wow, that's fun. So yeah, okay, you got to live somewhere where dogs are. That makes sense. So yeah, (laughs) and and outside of that, are they coming to you? Are you going to them? How does that all work? There are different types of jobs that you can take on Rover. So you can be a dog walker, which is exactly as it sounds, you walk dogs. Then you can 
house dogs in your home boarding, which I don't do because we already have three dogs and we live in an apartment. If we did have more space and more land, that is something that I absolutely would do just because you can take advantage of the property that you have, kind of make passive income that way. Then there is house sitting, which is where I make the most of my money. Um, I go to my clients' homes and stay there for extended periods of time. Because the income level here is so high, that usually means I'm staying in pretty big mansions in the mountains. So that's a plus. That is a plus. That sounds like a fun thing. So talk to us about Rover a little bit more, because this seems to be your connection to a lot of these opportunities. When did you discover that app? And and talk to us about how it all works. I think... I discovered the app in 2018. Um, It was around my divorce. And one of my friends used to live in DC, another densely populated dog-friendly area. And she was telling me how when she lived there, she made a lot of money doing this. And I was like, money watching dogs and cuddling with them? Sign me up. And so she showed me Rover. And I got my first job actually in Wilmington when I lived in North Carolina before I even moved to Ohio. But it was like, one-offs. I I didn't do it as nearly as much as I do now. But she was the person who introduced me to it. And Rover is like WAG. They're the two main dog sitting apps. They basically hire independent contractors to watch your dogs and take care of your home if you're not there, walk them or board them during the day if you, you know, work out of your home. So you can go on there and find a plethora of people who have signed up to be dog sitters. You can look their qualifications. They have Reviews Rover also. I don't know if they do this now, but they used to like do classes so you can have different qualifications. And they also do background checks. They do basic background checks and extended background checks. So you're not just hiring some stranger off the street that has like a criminal record. Like you go through and you pick somebody that you're comfortable with to watch your dog. So yeah, that's how I got started with Rover. And most of the time, I that's kind of like my lead funnel. Like people find me through Rover. And then if they need me for an extended period of time, we usually go off the app, which Rover will say no to because they don't make their money that way. Rover takes a 20% cut of any job that you get through them. And they also have insurance. You're protected under Rover as a client. I'm not protected. Like independent contractors don't have insurance. Regular ones, I do because I'm a business owner. So it's kind of skewed. But anyway, that's how I found out about Rover. That's great. That's great. So now if you uh, use Rover, you don't, I mean, are there other ways that you're connecting with people in your neighborhood just based on your skills? Do you use like Nextdoor or anything like that to connect with people too? Or is it mostly Rover? No. And through all of my businesses, I've never like had to market. It's always been word of mouth through my marketing firm and through Rover. People find somebody they really love and tell all their friends. And that's really how I've come up with a regular client base. That's great. That's great. Now in the Rover app, is it like Uber where you get stars or things like you get ratings based on how good of a person you are that's been, you know, taking care of the animals? Well, I am an amazing person. So that's I, right. I was gonna say this have five, five stars. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to download the app right now and hit five stars, even though you haven't watched any of my animals. But <laughs> <laughs> I would if I could. Um, no, So yeah, after your jobs, your client has the option of reviewing you. Not everybody does. I mean, after a job, I usually send a message saying, you know, I hope you got home okay. I really enjoyed watching your animal. Please don't forget to leave me a review because the algorithm gods deem it necessary. And usually they leave me a review. And there's actually also now you can leave tips to your dog sitters, which is new. So I've gotten a few tips 
recently, which is nice. You know, I'm not going to say no to that. I think I have 56 reviews now and I've been doing it for, you know, like three years, pretty hardcore. So um, I would absolutely, if you're going to go on Rover and seek somebody, make sure they have all five-star reviews and make sure that they're verified stay reviews. That means that you've actually like watched those dogs. It's not just like a friend leaving a review. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So you mentioned a thousand dollars to $1,500 a month. Can you tell us like hours wise, what are you putting in to get that? Like even just ballpark, like I know you do lots of different things. As you said, you're sort of a multi-income stream person, but how much time do you think you're dedicating to the dog sitting per month? I used to call it my side hustle. And now I'm like, mm, this is more of my second business. Um, because I, I am now making money to kind of qualify it as that. But I don't do it by hour just because if I did, it would be like five cents an hour. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. I'm staying at these people's houses for yeah, like a week. Lots of benefits, you know? right. So I, I usually do it by day. And I would say I am out of my apartment dog sitting at least half of the month in days. And uh, I've gotten questions like, well, how did, how is that? You're married. Like, why would you? And uh, I'm like, well, you know, we each need our own space. Like, and my dogs are taken care of because Joe, my husband watches them as I go off and make this extra money. So it works for us. I'm not saying it's going to work for you, but for somebody who kind of has my setup, absolutely check it out. I think that's great. You know, I think a lot of people out there are just looking for a little bit of extra money. And if they could do it, doing something that they would love, that actually gives them, I guess, probably good for your mental health too, just to cuddle with animals, hang out with animals. Animals are great. It's a great way to get lots of benefits outside of just the monetary side of things. So talk to me about the benefits of doing this. What has this meant for you, either monetarily or emotionally, to have this as a fun side hustle of yours? Monetarily, since this is marriage, kids, and money. That's right. Um, <laughs> you know, I... Um, when we were paying off my debt, I used money to pay off my car. So that wouldn't have been possible without my Rover income. I'm supplementing my income just to live. Uh, when I was first starting my company, you know, I wouldn't have been able to pay the bills without Rover. And then now we use it more so of like, okay, we want to go to a national park. We don't really want to spend our, like our nine to five income on it. So I'll just pick up some extra income and we can throw all of that to an Airbnb outside of Sand Dunes National Park. And my husband, for those who don't follow me, which you should, he is a student at Boulder. And so he goes to school as a, and he gets the GI Bill. So that's like his job. But he wants to take a month off in the summer. And so the way we're going to do that is I'm picking extra jobs up, saving that money, and he'll be able to take a month off of school and just, you know, take a breather and not be so burnt out. So Rover has really changed my life. I mean, the extra money has been crucial to elevating my lifestyle in a way that wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't found it. And also, just like you said, I love animals. I, I really, truly do. And I don't feel like Rover is a job. And I think I've done other side hustles or other businesses that I've been like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't like the money's great, but oh my gosh, no. And with Rover, it's never been like that. I've always been like, oh, yay. Like I go get to see my favorite client, Walter, tomorrow, actually, and go hang out with a little poodle. Yay. <laughs> you know, like It's just it's fun for me. And I think that's really crucial when it comes to not being burnt out with side hustles are making extra money because it's it's only great if it's sustainable and this has been sustainable for me. 
I think that's great. And yeah, to your point, I think sometimes we're looking for that quick money, but then that quick money could be like, oh man, this is sort of a pain. This is something you enjoy. This is something you're getting exercise doing. This is something that you're, I don't know, just feeling a little bit better uh, in your day to do. So I appreciate you walking through these details of how you make these extra dollars with uh, hanging out with animals because that's a lot of fun. So let's talk to the person who's saying, hey, I am interested in getting started with Rover you know, what is the first step that I should take to do that? And how do I get that credibility so people actually want to be with me? So I have a highlight on my Instagram at the frugal fox that takes you over tons of tips on how to set up your Rover profile. Um, the first thing you're going to want to do is, you know, go to Rover, then you're going to sign up, I would get the extended background check just because it sh- you'll show a little higher in the algorithm. And then what I would do is write your profile, which I have a formula on my page that you can follow. And also you can invite your friends, family, other people that you've pets it for uh, to leave you a review. And these aren't going to be verified stay reviews, which again, will elevate you in the algorithm, but they show potential clients that, okay, this person has experience before with animals. So those are really the first three steps. And then you know, you're going to want to do market research as well, just so that you, you don't get on there and you're like, well, I'm going to charge $100 a night and everybody else on there is charging like 30 That's not going to work in your favor. You're going to want to go below market rate. So if the average pet sitter has their rates for $30, you're going to want to do it around 20 That way, you know, somebody who's looking for a more affordable option will select you, you'll get a verified stay, and you can build up your client base and then raise your prices. I started in Colorado at like $30 a night, and now I'm at 63 So I'm my location's top rover client and the most expensive now. So it, you just got to kind of look at your market and see where you're going to fall. I love that. Yeah, build up your uh, base and grow from there while you're enjoying something that you do. V, I think this is fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. If people want to connect with you and learn more about your awesome digital marketing company that I take full advantage of and really appreciate working with, if you guys have seen any of my Instagram stuff or even my YouTube work, the real people behind this are V and her team. So if you want to touch base with her, talk to us about where people can connect with you there. I'm pretty much on every social media platform ever. I hang out on Instagram and Twitter mostly at VVEE, Frugal Fox. And then if you want to check out my digital marketing firm, which helps personal finance influencers create their content, you can get at me at WEIR, Digital Marketing. And we're on Instagram. V, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to join me and 1,300 others in the Thriving Families Facebook community. We are all about sharing and helping each other thrive as we work our family financial journey. Recently, we welcomed a big group of new thriving family members. And here's what new group member Samuel had to share about his family goals. We are always on the hunt for multiple income streams. This day and age with inflation, cost of living, and lack of wage growth, you need to stay connected and conscious of change. 
Samuel, I really agree with your sentiment there. Thank you so much for sharing your family goals and where you're headed in this this market that we're in right now. And yes, we are all about adding new ways to make money, and that can definitely lighten the load for those financial goals. We heard V and her chat about her creative way of making new money in her life and our conversation with Dan earlier thinking about ways to make college more affordable. Hey, maybe even just having your teen fill out scholarship applications could be an income stream in the long run, right? Yeah, getting creative, staying connected, and being open to change, as Samuel says, is a smart way to go, especially with these uncertain financial times we're experiencing. Can I get a round of applause for our new friend Samuel for sharing with us? All right. Thank you, Samuel. Thank you very much for being there and contributing. If you want to share your family financial goals with us and have a place where we hold you accountable to those goals, please join our Thriving Families Facebook group at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. We hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Thomas Edison. Opportunity is missed by most people because it is dressed in overalls and looks like work. Let's get to work, everyone, and make your family goals a reality. Carpe diem. 